My dear Stephen, history sometimes gives us a terrible shock. And that is because we don't quite truly understand. Why should we? After all, we're all too small to realize its final pattern. Therefore, don't try and judge it from where you stand. I was right to do as I did. Yes, that's what I found to do. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Massacre. Ooh. The Massacre was written by John Lucarotti and Donald Tosh. And if you recognize John Lucarotti, he is the one who wrote Marco Polo and the Aztecs, which... The Aztecs is still in my top five. I did like the Aztecs. So crossing fingers that it's still it's good. Let's see, the Aztecs is in my top five. I was just checking to make sure Marco Polo wasn't in my bottom five. It's not. It was directed by Patty Russell and produced by John Wiles. This episode is often marketed as the massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve. But then more recently, it's just been shortened to The Massacre. Um, But The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve is what it was called when I first watched it in high school. So that's just kind of how I know it as. And as I alluded to at the end of the last episode, this is the only episode in the entire history of the show wherein the Doctor only travels with a male companion. There are more episodes where the Doctor travels completely alone than there are of him with just men. (laughs) There are some New Who fans who might bring up one specific episode as a counter-argument, but I don't count that one for reasons we will get into in like 17 years when we eventually reach that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, this whole podcast is going to be my whole life, isn't it? maybe you're not the one who has to sit down every night to edit it but yeah sure it's it's your whole life anyway (laughs) hey look i'm watching the show but caleb given all you know about doctor who and given the title of this episode the massacre of saint bartholomew's eve what do you predict this episode is going to be about well the massacre of saint bartholomew's eve sounds like a history thing that i don't know anything about So I think that this is going to be the episode where Steven confesses his love to the Doctor and it makes him uber uncomfortable and he swears to himself never to be alone with men again. (laughs) God, I wish. Um... (laughs) It's going to get steamy. This is going to be the sexy episode. (laughs) When I hear massacre, that just makes me... But you are absolutely correct, Caleb. It is, in fact, about a historical event that I have absolutely no idea (laughs) what it is. (laughs) I'm sure it's a big deal in common knowledge to the British kids in the 1960s. 
but I have absolutely no idea what the fuck the Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve is. I have a feeling that by the end of this episode, I'm still not going to know what it is. Still got no idea. I do know of one thing that happens in this episode. But yeah, I'm... And after after the Daleks master plan, which if we both sound a little hoarse, because we just got done recording, like two and a half hours of raw, raw audio. Yeah. Oh yeah, I just felt it in my voice. God. Right? But uh, after that... The next several episodes are only four episodes long, so th- oh, it's going to feel like nothing. <laughs> oh. oh, that sounds like a dream. Uh, um, but anyway, with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. <laughs> And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was a week for us. So, I think we should just skip to episode four, Caleb. Yeah. Because <laughs> nothing of any really significance happens. <sighs> yeah. I, I, Until like the last half of the last episode. Yeah, the last half of the last episode, I was like, oh, okay, this is something. <laughs> And then the rest of the time was, uh, yeah, yeah. The rest of the rest of it was just one prolonged sigh that lasted for three and a half episodes, oh, and then man. it was just, oh, yeah, it was something. It was something. Um, but uh, real quick trivia note: uh, this episode is the debut of Jackie Lane as Dodo Chaplet. Woo! Woo. <laughs> and she gets introduced in like the last. Four minutes of this yeah, episode. Yeah, like five minutes of the episode. <laughs> if kinda, that. Like, barges in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People in the 1960s were rude. Just right? in the places. In her defense, she didn't realize it was a place. Yeah, it's true. She wasn't like Chester. She wasn't like Ian and uh, Barbara stalking their student. Yeah. She was like, oh, I'm going to use this police box. Oops. But uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Caleb? In general, I feel like we've kind of already touched on it, but in general, what are your thoughts of the massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve? I literally have nothing to say on it. And I say that a lot when, like, I'm kind of like, yeah, it was, like, fine. I have, like, no major critiques one with the other, but this one was, like, a bad sense of I have nothing to say. I'm like, there's, like, <sighs> there's, like, nothing to say about it. Uh, there's a scene in Persona 4 where they're having, like, an omelet cooking competition, and the first the first two are like really dis- one of them is really disgusting one of them is ridiculously hot and then the third one uh, kanji uh takes a bite of it and he's like hmm it tastes how do i put this boneless <laughs> <laughs> That's what this episode is. Yeah. It tastes boneless. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I think part of me was almost interested in an episode where largely the doctor is absent from his own show. Yeah. That could have been really cool. But, uh, like, a huge chunk of, like, almost half of, I would say half the runtime of these episodes is, like, political drama between yeah. people I cannot see or distinguish or know anything about. <laughs> Yeah, that that's gonna be 
that's a note that I make in like episode three or whatever. But really, it's it's an issue that permeates the entire thing is that like I might be convinced to give half of a shit about anything that's happening right now if I could tell who was talking because mm-hmm. they all sound the same and they're all kind of talking about the same thing. And so it's difficult to tell, okay, are these the people that I'm rooting for or the people I'm not rooting for? I can't actually, hmm, tell. Yep, exactly. That's exactly how I felt the whole time. And, like, I have trouble paying attention anyway. Again, I have goldfish brain, but it was especially hard here. Because, again, it just kind of sounded like everyone was the same. And, like, yeah. I huge amount of time without steven yeah it was rough but uh let's just let's just go ahead and get right in all right all right, all right. the massacre nah. i'm not saying the whole name uh the massacre episode one war of god the doctor and steven materialize in 16th century france and the doctor decides he needs to talk to some guy named charles preslin about germs or something they decide to go to a bar to stop for a drink, and the doctor agrees to meet Stephen here again in the evening. As he leaves, another man begins to follow the doctor. Stephen has his drink paid for by a man named Nicholas. The doctor finds Preslin, who is afraid to talk to him for fear of being punished by the church. Some asshole named Gaston info-dumps a bunch of history stuff, and when Stephen tries to leave, he runs into Anne Chaplet. She's hiding from some guards, and Stephen and his new friends successfully hide her from them. It turns out she overheard some guards talking about their plans to massacre the Huguenots. Simon Duvall shows up and tells the landlord to keep an eye on Stephen, and Nicholas convinces him to stay the night at some guy at someone named the Colony's house. Simon goes to the abbot's house to update him on the situation, and he looks exactly like the doctor. Yeah, so this episode began, and like I kind of already knew what it was about, but I was, but my first note is, oh, good, France. Nothing bad ever happens in French history. I'm sure we'll be fine. Oh, yeah. My my only note beginning this episode was, wow, I'm super excited to bu- butcher a bunch of French names again in another podcast episode. Right? Thankfully, there's not there's only one, like, vaguely French name. You did mispronounce Anne's name, though. And Anne's last name is Chaplet. Nope, it's Chaplet. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, mispronunciation... The bartender of the of the inn that they were at, he pronounced the word vicount, and the words pronounced viscount, <laughs> and like literally every other character in the show pronounces it correctly. All of them say the word viscount correctly. It's just this one asshole who's pronouncing it vicount, and I'm like, <laughs> why did no one did no one make a note? <laughs> Because that sounds French. It sounds like the French way of saying something. It's like, it does. hey, what's the way you shouldn't say this? That's probably the way <laughs> the French people say it. Probably. Honestly, I'm on that guy's side. That logic adds up to me. <laughs> That's fair. It's like, yes, we need to go to the Abois house. Um, one thing I will say in this sh- in this episode's favor is Stephen is just as lost as we are in terms of having any sort of understanding whatsoever about the time period. So it was kind of good to have him as like an audience surrogate where I think you said it was Gaston who was just info dumping on Steven so that you had a better understanding of what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was a good move on their part. Yeah, it was a good choice. And on that note, I do like how um, uh, Steven is like, well, why did why did they kill them? And they just like looked at him quizzically and was like, because they were Catholic. And Steven's like. What? I don't. 
It's like, the fuck is religious persecution? I don't understand what's going on right now. <laughs> what is Catholic? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it's that long dead religion. I believe I've heard of it. <laughs> Where's Vicky at to make fun of everyone? Right. I miss Vicky. Um, yeah, this is one of the few only episodes where the doctor is traveling with the companion, a male companion, and story focuses almost entirely on, on the companion. Mm-hmm. Because... The doctor goes to visit the apothecary, has a brief discussion with him about microscopes and germs, and then he's not seen until the last episode. (laughs) Yeah, like literally like the last 10 minutes. He's still not in the first half of the episode. William Hartnell is throughout the story, but he's playing a different character. Mm -hmm. And this this is the first time uh, that an actor who played the doctor was also playing a different character. It's not the last, but on, I think I might be remembering incorrectly, on two different occasions, they play alternate characters in the same story, but I'm not sure. I don't know. T- Doctor Who's weird. I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think, is there anything else I have to say about this episode? No, I do kind of like how the Doctor is like, immediately comes out of the uh, TARDIS, and he's like, hmm, this is 16th century France. I think I need to speak to Charles Breslin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's the closest uh, famous person I can weave my way into their life for? <laughs> I just have one more note. Just one more note about this episode, and then that that's it for me. They arrive in Paris, and there are there's some characters whispering under their breath, and they were clearly speaking in French accents. And then all of the named characters who speak are talking in British accents, and this will never not bother me. It will never not bother me that they are speaking in British accents, even though they're fucking French. It'd be mildly more acceptable, because, like, we we could uh, accept that, I don't know, weird TARDIS translator nonsense, if there weren't also characters who had French accents. Because, as you said, there's, like, side characters who have French accents, but, like, most of the main people are just British. Or, like, I don't know, say, for example, they visit the Crusades, and people do a bad Arab accent, or yeah. they're traveling with Marco Polo, and people do bad Chinese accents. I'm not asking you to be good. I'm asking you to be consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, there's just so much that happens in this episode. It's hard to pick down one, but I think I'm ready to move on. But you know what, what would have made this whole arc infinitely better? Huh. Having these British accent actors just do flagrantly offensive French accents. <laughs> At least that would have been entertaining. They'd be like, oh, I am Charles Breslin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I have nothing else to say. Other than I'm still going to pronounce Anne's name as Chaplet because I don't care. Why not? Brittany doesn't have nearly enough burst blood vessels. May as well make her angry like that. Yeah, it's good for your health, I think. Sometimes you got to burst a couple blood vessels. Sometimes. Episode 2, The Sea Beggar. When Stephen returns to meet the doctor, he is quickly shooed away by the landlord. Roderick Colbert appears and asks, asks around for Anne, and Stephen recognizes him as the fellow who followed the doctor. When Nicholas looks out the window, he is surprised to see the abbot looking for Anne, and Stephen mistakes him as the doctor. When Stephen says as much, his friends turn on him and accuse him of working with the Catholics. Stephen and Nicholas track down Preslin's shop, but a local woman informs them that the place has long been abandoned because Preslin was arrested for heresy. This makes Nicholas even more suspicious of Stephen. Stephen wants to confront the abbot to learn why the doctors impersonate him, but Nicholas decides to take him back as a prisoner. 
Stephen escapes though and makes his way to the abbot's house. There he overhears a plan to have the sea beggar, aka Admiral de, de Colonnay, killed. He returns to warn Nicholas and Gaston of the plot, but has a sword fight with Gaston and is forced to leave. Nicholas has a change of heart though and believes that Stephen wasn't spying. While roaming the streets, Stephen runs into Anne again and they decide to stay in Preslin's abandoned shop. My first note is I'm having Reign of Terror flashbacks. I don't know what's going on. The party is separated and moving around and is focusing on politics more than anything else that I can't follow. <laughs> yep, and, and I I had to read the Tortoise Wiki to like remind myself what happened in the episode. And they have like huge paragraphs talking about all the conversations all the characters have. They do. And even, and even reading that, I still like could not fucking follow anything. No, I, same because I um I listened to the first two episodes throughout the week and then this weekend I listened to the last two uh, just to catch myself up. I was I had to reread the first two because I couldn't rem- I couldn't remember the f- what the fuck happened. I, so I read the first two on the wiki and I was just like, how did you fill up this much space? Nothing fucking happened. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, literally, like, nothing happens. <laughs> I do really like Stephen sees the abbot, sees that he looks exactly like the doctor, and uh, he's like, it's possible that the doctor is just pretending to be the abbot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that tracks. That that sounds like the stupid kind of bullshit he'd pull. I I understand why Stephen would <laughs> jump to that conclusion. Yeah, yeah no, totally sound reasoning on Stephen's end. Uh, the doctor has done crazier things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he pretended to be Zeus once. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stephen goes back to the house and Gaston is just so furious at Stephen. Like there was just a moment I was I like took out my earbuds. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like I could hear the foam at his mouth as he drew his sword. I was like, okay, let's ring it back a little bit. This is Doctor Who, not the not the British Shakespeare Company. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I mentioned Gaston the whole time as Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that guy that guy one hundred percent fit that character. <laughs> yeah, and I imagined Colbert as Stephen Colbert. So I'm glad we're all on the same page here. <laughs> Um, one thing, I mean, like, it's, the whole show has been like this, but it's a little bit funnier in audio drama form, when, like, you know, Gaston is, like, yelling, foaming at the mouth, like, making our, uh, eardrums vibrate, and then it's like, and then he draws his sword, and it's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the, the, the sound effects are so weak compared to the actual volume of the actors, it's kind of hilarious. And then he, like, leaves, and he he overhears the sea beggar is going to be uh, assassinated. And then the narration says, Stephen realizes he has no choice but to go back to the house and try to get Nicholas to listen to him. And my sub-note is, or, and hear me out here, he can just go back to the TARDIS. Why why does Stephen care? Why, (laughs) why are... Why are we dealing with any of this? Just go back to the TARDIS and wait for the doctor. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm just going to wait this one out. I'm going to go wait in the car. You guys let me know when you're done, and we'll head out. <laughs> Which is, just so you know, if I, if I was a companion on Doctor Who, would 100% be my reaction to literally fucking everything. <laughs> like, look at this amazing new plan. They're like, cool, take some pictures. I'm going to stay here where I can print out food. <laughs> 
See, I I would go out and uh, do the adventure thing, but if it's just stuff like this, I'd be like, this is boring. <laughs> Mac is underneath the window and is listening to this big grand conspiracy to kill the sea baker, and he just yells, "Who cares? I don't even know who that is. I'm leaving." <laughs> <laughs> fuck dude that's all i got that's all i got for this episode yep me too (laughs) nothing nothing to say uh going on to my shortest description episode three priest of death after awaking the next day steven disguises himself to make his way back to the abbot's house Anne stays behind when he arrives though he can't get into the abbot's office after arguing with a priest the abbot emerges and steven tries to signal to him but the man does not recognize him during their conversation, Stephen realizes that the colony is the sea beggar and heads back to the Admiral's house to inform them of the scheme to kill him. Nicholas believes the abbot is the mastermind, but for some reason Stephen still thinks it's the doctor. While they argue, a, wa- a riot breaks out and the abbot is killed. Stephen rushes to the abbot's house to confirm this and is accused of being the murderer. Politics, politics, politics. Politics, politics? Politics, politics. Is my first note of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, total side note, though, but I'm just now realizing just how badass all the episode titles are oh, for I this know. story. Oh, I know. fuck. None of them fit this story, but they're all really cool. Oh, no. Totally agree. Totally agree. The titles are great. They're the best part of the episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there was something that it just kind of, like, dawned on me. So we haven't seen the Doctor at all, but the moment that we stopped seeing the Doctor, we started seeing the Abbot. And Stephen was convinced that the Abbot is a doctor. If you were, like, watching this originally, like, when the show first came out, you might agree with Stephen. It could be 100% true that the Abbot is the doctor and just, like, trying to pull a con. And, like, he couldn't reveal himself to Stephen when Stephen confronts him because that would blow the cover and they'd both be screwed. Like, you could buy into, you could, like, you could buy into it. Because someone makes the makes the point, it's the, one of the reasons why the abbot is killed, someone makes the point that since the abbot has arrived, everything has been going wrong for them. Which leads credence to Stephen's theory that maybe it's just the doctor in disguise fucking things up. That's interesting. And then the abbot dies and the show keeps going, so... <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. So, oh well for that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think it would have been like a more believable moment to me if there hadn't already been, if, if I rem- am remembering the show correctly at all, if there hadn't been moments where the Doctor was, quote, in disguise pretending to be someone and talking to companions and like, because he would signal to them before, so he wouldn't not do that now. Yeah, because he was um, pretending to be that colonel or whatever in Reign of Terror, the one that lets him, the one that let him wear the cool hat. Oh, yes. <laughs> So, like, it has happened before where he's been in disguise and he's just like, wink! I will interrogate this woman specifically by myself, alone. Wink! Barbara, let's get the fuck out of here! That person is out of frame, which means they're out of earshot. Barbara! <laughs> Basically. Stephen goes to the abbot's house to see that he's dead, and I wrote down a nice little summary of this scene. <clears throat> Who killed the abbot? I don't know. How about that guy? Sure. Let's kill him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happened. That's exactly what fucking happened. 
that guy isn't from here. And also, he was really interested in seeing the abbot's body. Super weird. <laughs> Ignore the entire crowd that's gathered around the abbot's body. That guy specifically really wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. Episode four. <laughs> God damn, episode four. If only we had this type of clip during the Daleks master plan. It would have been going way easier. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, and here it is. My personal favorite title. Episode 4, Bell of Doom. Ah, so cool. And it's still at Preslin's shop waiting for Steven to return. Steven finally arrives, escaping the mob pursuing him. They begin searching clothes at the shop for the TARDIS key so the two can escape. However, the only thing they can find is the doctor's cane. When they try to figure out what happened to him, the doctor appears. He refuses to explain himself and blames Stephen for not being at the tavern and decides it's time to leave. When the doctor realizes it's 1572, he forces Anne to leave for her aunt's house while the two men race back to the TARDIS. The next morning, after waiting for some guards to leave, the two get on the TARDIS and escape just before the massacre begins. Stephen is enraged that the doctor left Anne to die and did nothing to stop the murders. But the doctor insists there's nothing he could do. Stephen insists on getting off at the next stop and does just that. In 1966 Nottingham, a young woman named Dodo barges into the TARDIS and needs to call for help. Stephen also returns and warns the doctor about some policemen heading their way. The doctor quickly takes off again, bringing Dodo along, who doesn't seem to care that she is leaving for another time and place. It's also possible that she's the descendant of Anne Chaplet. Yeah, my first note is I feel like I would probably enjoy the conspiracy of this story if I could at all discriminate who the fuck's talking at any given mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the episode, the rest of my notes focus entirely around the second half of this episode. Totally agree. Can we, before we get to that, though, can we at least acknowledge the fact that there's like a solid like two and a half, three minutes of just like massacre noise yeah let's address that (laughs) real quick (laughs) i mean that's what i have to say about it but like there's like two to three minutes of just i don't know violent sounds i feel like they could have cut that and just put like the narration saying it was a bloodbath moving on but no they kept it they kept the whole thing now it's cool when you can see it like in the chase and you see the daleks and like the big like bulbous robot guys like shooting each other that's cool as fuck listening to it (laughs) not not quite as cool no no so it's not that i wanted him to leave because i really like steven but it would have been such a baller note to leave on yeah i'm glad that he's sticking around but this would have been the perfect way to end steven's time in the tardis because just like during the math during the dalek master plan steven was shook by all the death that surrounded him between katarina and brett and sarah and and then he made a he made a new friend he made a new friend in paris named anne and then the doctor basically signed her death warrant by being like oh no 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 you need to stay here because you're part of the massacre go on go be massacred (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so steven like has all of this pain and anger and he just like focuses it not uh entirely without warrant at the doctor uh and then he's like fuck you i'm leaving (laughs) and like that would have been good that would have been a good way for steven to leave because his his the thing so far has been constantly calling the doctor out on his bullshit 
And so having him leave being like, no, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anymore. That would have been great. Yeah, no, totally agree. And I thought he was going to leave because like, I don't know, it was a good monologue. And pretty much everything he laid at the doctor's feet is 100% accurate. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, hey, doctor, you know what? Uh, You're kind of a fucking asshole and a raging psychopath. And uh, I don't really want to deal with it anymore. Uh, Get me off here. Yeah. Just like with Vicky in the Space Museum, like, I would have bought her staying on that planet as, like, a military general. I kind of wish that Steven had left here as well. <laughs> what I Here's what I really wish. This has been the perfect way for Steven to leave. So he's like, you know what, whatever it is, like, next up, I'm getting off. I don't care. And they, like, emerge onto, like, a... Uh, like a jungle planet and like they step outside and like a tentacle monster like kills another animal and like it's very dangerous and Steven's like no this is still better than being with you go ahead <laughs> you can leave now <laughs> so then Steven leaves and the doctor has this soliloquy where he's um talking about how one way or another everyone's left him whether it's Susan or Ian or Barbara or Vicky and now Steven and he's wondering whether he needs to whether he should go back to his home planet, but knows that he can't for reasons we don't know yet. I honestly think it's some of the best acting that William Hartnell's done in this entire series up to this point, and I'm so fucking pissed that we can't see it. Yep, nothing exists, because I was reading the wiki, literally nothing fucking exists. Nothing exists of the story, and I'm so mad. Because I would love to see him going f- all out in this. Because this scene is very well done. And I was No, I agree. I actually slowed this scene down. I listened to everything on time and a half when we're doing audio dramas. But like this one started, I was like, oh wait, 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 go back, go back, slow down. Let me let me soak this in. Yeah. The line that really stuck out to me was uh he says something about like he understands why Steven is upset, but like we're too small to see the pattern of time. I don't know, I thought that was a great line. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Maybe he'll see after a while. And then he was like, at least I taught him something before he left. He checked the scanners to make sure that it was safe to go before he left out the door. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. And I was just like, it was killing me. And I wanted, I want to <laughs> see it. I want to see it, Caleb. <laughs> uh, then Dodo then barges bra in. just barges in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really funny. Because Dodo comes to the police box because she wanted to, you know, call the police. Because a little boy just got involved in an accident and he's really hurt and needed someone that and someone's help. Fuck that kid, I guess. Because we <laughs> never fucking deal with that. We just bounce because Steven comes back and says, "Shit, it's the cops. Cheese it." <laughs> and then they take off, and I'm like, "I guess the kid will be fine." <laughs> prevailing headcanon Steven was so mad about the doctor he pushed the kid in the street (laughs) (laughs) and uh, my next note is oh good it's been a minute since we've kidnapped someone (laughs) now now we're back to to the roots of this show (laughs) kidnapping people from Britain and taking them on some bullshit now I remember not liking Dodo very much but I don't know why at the moment I do kind of like her a little bit mostly because she seems to confidently only have one brain cell and she like <laughs> takes it off the mantle to polish it every once in a while because she's very proud of it. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think she's dumb. She's just kind of like go with the flow. She's like, oh, this isn't a police box. It's a time machine. Okay, yeah, yeah whatever. Fuck man. it. Why not? <laughs> sure. And then Steven started to explain. her was like, you understand that like we're not coming back, right? Like we're going through space and time, and we don't know how to go back to other stops. And she's like, well, all right then. Yeah. <laughs> Too <Yeah>. late now. <laughs> Because Stephen was like, what about your family? What about your parents? He's like, yeah, my parents are dead. I'm living with my aunt, and she's kind of a bitch. So, like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> Which I kind of respect. I kind of respect that. <laughs> yeah, again, I don't know. I don't know if she's dumb. But she's just, just kind of like, whatever about everything. I think that's going to be cool. It'll be really funny if she's, like, kind of insulting about it. She's like, you're really stressed out about nothing, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the dynamic is. So the same actor playing their own descendant or ancestor is a common thing in Doctor Who. So it's very likely that Dodo is the descendant of Anne. But I was th- I was just walking home from work today and then I had a light bulb moment. Because if that is the case, that means Steven is the descendant of that hillbilly that they met at the Empire State <laughs> Building. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's chef's kiss that headcanon. Absolutely my headcanon now. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the, for the most part, this episode is kind of disappointing. It was boring. But that last half was so fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty low in my ranking. But it but that last half of the last episode was good enough to keep it from breaking my top five. Yeah, I would say I would say this is in the bottom. This is probably in the bottom quarter of episodes for me. I haven't done an official ranking or anything. But those last, like, ten minutes is in my favorite moments of the series, period, so Mm. far. I would put it at, like, the same level as An Unearthly Child in that, like, most of it is crap, but An Unearthly Child has a really solid first episode, and then The Massacre has a really solid last half of last episode. So, like, they're kind of even level, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Trivia. Anne Chaplet was was actually considered to be the uh the main campaign the main cam ah, the main companion, goddamn. Um instead of Dodo. Uh except that they had a similar issue as Katarina and that they were worried how characters from old time periods wouldn't understand what was going on. But you know, people from the very advanced age of the nineteen sixties, they would they'd be able to get with it. Especially when they're like <laughs> seemingly like fry from futurama levels of intelligence <laughs> basically ah <laughs> oh, there was a cut scene there was a cut scene that I'm, I'm really disappointed was cut at the end of the last episode where ian and barbara would have rounded the corner um at the very end of the street and they would have seen the tardis dematerialize and like that would have been cool that would have been a nice little nice yeah little that would have been nice especially if they're like oh thank god Holy shit, we almost walked into that. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really good if they like turned the corner, saw the TARDIS, and then immediately turned around. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the few stories in which the Doctor never once interacts with any of the main villains. Because the Doctor doesn't really interact with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going back a little bit, but like, we really did not talk about the fact that like he just kind of shows up in episode four and absolutely refuses to explain where he was or what he did i was like was he there the whole time i don't really don't think the writers knew i think they were just like uh and then the doctor comes back oh no 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 my dear boy you wouldn't understand it's all very complicated anyway let's leave <laughs> anyways continue your trivia this is the very first doctor who story directed by a woman 
Um, and apparently William Hartnell found being directed by a woman to be a very bizarre experience. Uh, but according to Patty Russell, he was so busy arguing with producer John Wiles, he had no time to be difficult with her. <laughs> so it was fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Give me some of that. Give me some of that behind the scenes drama. What were they finding about this time? I don't know. I'm sure. Who knows? I'm sure uh, Hartnell missed a line or something, and John Wiles threatened to fire him, and William Hartnell is like, "Fucking do it, you pussy." I don't know. That just that seems like the normal back and forth between these two people. That sounds like a weird foreshadowing. I wonder if that's actually going to happen. I'm pretty sure John Wiles leaves the show before William Hartnell does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say final thoughts, but I feel like we've kind of already said our final yeah, thoughts. Yeah, we've already kind of hit on it. It didn't. It did not break my bottom five. Though most of it was uh, so bad that it almost broke my bottom five, but the last part was so good that it didn't. Pulled it out at the last second. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much feel the same way. All right, well, that's it for this episode, guys. Uh, if you like the podcast, uh, give us a review on whatever site you listen to us on. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the major Spotify or all the major podcast networks. Uh, and if you really like us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to follow me and Mac specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMath and Caleb at CLB underscore Clark. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we see the first full story starring the new companion in The Ark. Ah.